Good morning, good morning. How's everybody? We'll get this sound figured out. I'm not used to having the lapel, so be scared. Be really scared. <laughs> hey, uh, welcome. I do want to just uh, just thank Pastor Mark for giving me the opportunity to actually speak this morning. Uh, Vance and I both probably gotten knocked on probably three or four months ago, and as I shared last week, it's amazing how our messages uh, really in, intertwine, and me not really knowing what Vance was speaking on, and of course Vance not knowing what I was speaking on. So anyway, now we did a little quick intro about myself. Um, I, actually, my wife and I have been on the ministry team here and followers for, oh my goodness, probably seven or eight years. And um, so anyway, I, I enjoy the time to get up here and teach when, um, when Mark asked me. My nighttime job, though, is teaching in Dust Patrol. So we started a, a new ministry, men's ministry, probably about, I don't know, maybe three years ago now. And so men's ministry, we meet on Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30, uh, or 6.30 to 8, rather. So anyway, that's what I, that's kind of my little opportunity just to, uh, to teach, and I enjoy doing it. Grew up in Georgia. Um, grandfather was a pastor. Would have never thought I would actually be teaching. Um, thought about it, prayed about it, but it's amazing how the Lord kind of comes full circle on things. So anyway, if you got your half sheets or if you grab one, um, the title of the message this morning, Robert, you want me to go to the mic or you think we'll level it off? I don't want to like blow their eardrums out. And Rick, I'm going to apologize now. You know I'm a mover, so I see you got your cup of coffee, so I know you got me, you got me dialed in this morning. The message this morning is called At Odds. Resolving conflict in the midst of joy. You know, it's really tough to find joy oftentimes when, you know, you, you have death. Uh, as we, we heard about this morning with Rob Adidian, who's been in homebuilders slash followers, I know. Um, we, when we have sicknesses, when we just have everything going on, sometimes it kind of zaps the joy out of you. And so this morning, I want to kind of look at something very similar that can just zap the joy out of you. And it's conflict. How many of you love conflict? We got one. And actually, remember that one hand right there. Sincerely, we're going to come back to that. You're going to see what I mean in just a minute. Yeah, most people don't like conflict. Um, just this past week, I was actually part of an interview panel. And my, uh, our HR director actually asked a question to, to one of these uh, person who was doing an interview was, do you like conflict or how do you handle conflict? And this applicant said, I don't like conflict at all. It's like, well, how, what do you do? How do you get away from conflict? And she says, you know, I, 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 I really don't know. And she says, I just, I know I don't like it. And if you really truly, and again, everybody being honest here, you, you really want to shy away or you don't really like conflict. Well, I recently read an article that said this when it comes to, to conflict because it's, it's kind of funny to have conflict and joy in the same sentence. It's like, what? How can you really have that? And the article said this. It says, conflict is a normal part of any healthy relationship. After all, two people can't expect it to agree on everything all the time. If you look to your left or you look to your right, the person sitting next to you, there's likely something you're going to have a disagreement or you can be at odds with. And it goes on to say... The key is not to avoid conflict, which most of us try to do, but to learn how to resolve it in a healthy way. That's the key. How do you resolve conflict 
in a healthy way? How can you have joy and conflict together? That's really what I want to look at this morning. Um, and someone who knew a little bit about conflict and knew a little bit about joy was the Apostle Paul. And in his book in Philippians, really throughout the whole chapter to the, to the church at Philippi, Paul repeatedly spoke about joy. And what we want to look at this morning, what I want to look at this morning is actually a couple of verses, actually first five verses in Philippians 4, um, where there's a little conflict at the church. And no conflict is good, right? Whether you have conflict at work, whether you have conflict with your spouse, your kids, and certainly at church. I've seen so many churches who have split as a result of a conflict. I've seen marriages in as a result of conflict or kids and parents wayward as a result of conflict. It's not, a, it's, it's not an easy thing to deal with. So I just want to look at it this morning from really from a healthy way and talk about it. I mean, in, a lot of times with conflict, it can be uh, self-induced. You put your foot in your mouth yet again, Dave, just kidding. Or, you know, sometimes you're just in the crosshairs of being in conflict. All of a sudden, you're, you're just minding your own business on 880. You just want to get home and someone tries to cut you off. That happened literally within two weeks. I mean, it was almost an accident. Somebody went and almost cut me off, and all of a sudden, conflict is born. First of all, I wanted to go run them down so I could resolve the conflict. <laughs> Secondly, I thought about praying for them. And then thirdly, I thought about both, praying for them and running them down. But conflict is here for us, and so anyway, I, just, I do want to look at um, how Paul handles it because he does it in such a beautiful and healthy way this morning, so I think we can get a lot out of it. Um, before we uh, get too deep into the topic this morning, I'd like for you to talk about a little bit of conflict at your table. When was the last time you were at odds with someone, a conflict, a disagreement, and what happened? Take four or five minutes around your table to discuss. Okay, so real quick, how many of you have experienced conflict, let's just say in the last week or maybe it was even the day at work. Any conflict at work? Only a few of us. Tony, my bride, myself, yeah, there's a few. What about with kids or grandkids? Any conflict with kids or grandkids? I see like three hands up there on that one. What about your spouse? All right, so here's the key with this. If your other spouse didn't raise their hand as well, conflict was just born. Because I've seen a lot of individual hands going up. I love it. Yeah, here's a little conflict right here. Well, you know, we uh, honestly, when you think of conflict, I, my wife and I are certainly not... Um, oblivious to conflict. I think we do a, a wonderful job now communicating, and so the conflict is very minimal. But most recently, we, we have a ton of projects going on at home. And usually by now, we've already taken like two vacations, and we're a little bit more rested, and we have just literally chaos with project, project, project. And, and most recently, you know, I'm, I'm kind of explaining to my wife about all these projects, and she says, well, you know, you, it's really kind of self-induced. You're, you're you're causing this conflict, or you're, you're causing the, the angst, if you will, because of all these projects, and, and I disagree with her. All of a sudden, we're at odds. 
Um, and, and again, communication is key because after she, she did go on to explain herself of how she, what she meant by that, she was just saying, hey, don't, don't worry about it. If it doesn't get done, just wait until later to get it done. And she was so right. But conflict can be born in just a, in really any time, just a, a minute's notice. And it shouldn't be surprised. Conflict existed from really the beginning, right? From the fall. When sin entered, conflict was born. When you think back about Cain and Abel, you think about um, David and Saul, Peter and Paul, Paul and Barnabas. I mean, and some of it was really healthy. I mean, in case at least with Paul and Barnabas, I mean, we're talking missions involved, and you got conflict for God. So sometimes it's, again, self-induced. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you're just in the crosswinds. Well, today I want to look at actually on this list of the people who I just mentioned, there's two ladies at a church who was involved with a little bit of conflict. And that's the ones, that's actually what we want to look at um, this morning is kind of look at how Paul handled the situation, what ownership these ladies had, but more, more importantly, how to, how to resolve conflict in a healthy way. We don't know a lot about these ladies. We don't know if they were ministry partners. We don't know if they were um, a mother and, and daughter. We don't know if they're siblings. Um, what we do know is Paul calls them out. And uh, that's what we want to look at this morning. Before we dig into the text, if you would just join me in prayer real quick. Father God, thank you so much for just the opportunity to be up here to, to teach and just to, to bring the word you've laid on my heart. And thank you so much for uh, just this community. And thank you so much for Mark and Tracy. We miss them dearly and glad they'll be back next week to be with us. And just uh, bless our time this morning. And may we grow as your children and uh, just help us to continue to grow and to love others and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Philippians 4, we're going to dial right into the text here, and it says this in chapter 4. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown in this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge you, Odia, I urge Sintites to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. You know, I think the first thing I see here that Paul has, it shows us in the text to how to kind of help resolve conflict, is number one is to stand firm in the Lord. Paul calls it out in verse 1, and he tells everybody, in this way, stand firm in the Lord. Some of your Bible or translations may say it this way, stay true. And Paul repeats it a number of times throughout um, several chapters that he wrote. Thessalonians 2.15 says, with all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm again or stay true and keep a strong grip on the teachings we passed on to you both in person and by letter. 1 Corinthians 6.13, Paul writes, Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. In 1 Thessalonians 3.8, the voice says, For if you are set firmly in the Lord, then we can truly live. Um, one verse I didn't put actually in your outline here, Isaiah uh, 7.9, the prophet Isaiah says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Dawn and Dust Patrol, we're actually starting off a new series right after September, and it's really a series on faith, because faith is really critical 
as we look at standing firm. What, do we, what does Paul mean by standing firm? And these are just a few. I only list three. There's certainly a lot more involved um, other than these, but these are really kind of um, cemented. But the first thing I think Paul, he writes when he's writing stand firm is follow his commands. And that's throughout scripture. Pastor Vance last week talked about Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then John 14, 15 goes on and says, if you love me, Jesus says, you'll keep my commands. Really important, if we're going to stay firm or stand true or stay true to the Lord, we've got to follow his commands. The second thing, and again, Pastor Vance talked about this last people, is, uh, or last week, is love his people. Love his people. And notice in there, it's, it's his people. You know, last week at our table, when we were talking about Matthew 22, 39, the second greatest command, love your neighbor as yourself, around our table, our discussion question, we kind of like to pick and choose who we love. Right? We, we kind of like to pick and choose who hears the gospel because we have all control of that. We can share the gospel with anybody. We, we kind of like to pick and choose on that, but we like, we like to pick and choose who we love. And I'm, I'm just reminded of, of Jesus, you know, when you go and call on him as I do on a daily basis, Lord, forgive me, yet I don't forgive somebody else. Something wrong with that. Amen? Um, the third thing I see as far as standing firm is follow his example. In other words, imitate Jesus Jesus says this in John 13, 15. He says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Verse 17, a couple down, he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Some translation says you will be happy. You will be happy if you do this. There's joy, but you have to stand firm. And standing firm is not something done easily, literally speaking. Have you ever tried to stand firm before? I remember in this past week, Cody had uh, his first football game, and I was reminded of playing football, and I think I got a picture. Uh, in, in our practice in football, one of the things that we used to do, you had one person standing in the middle, and you had a group around. And the coach would blow a whistle, and he would just, he, one person would be in the middle, and then he would just name off these numbers. And when the whistle blown, that person came charging at you, and you had to stand firm. And then he'd blow the whistle again. And then somebody come from the backside of you. And then he'd blow the whistle again. Well, eventually, your standing firm wasn't going to work. You, A, you were exhausted, and it just kept going and going. You were going you, you to fail. Well, one person that was a friend of mine in elementary school who um, I used to play football with, well, I'd seen him most recently. I went home to visit my mom in February, and I really, I hadn't seen him in, oh my goodness, probably 20, I don't know, probably 25 years. And he heard about my dad passing, and we just chatted for a little bit. But immediately when I thought about Glenn, I thought of this drill right here. Because the one person who you did not want to go against was Glenn. Short, stout, probably the best nose tackle there was in football. And so you just were just praying to yourself in your mind, thinking, please don't call Glenn, please don't call Glenn. Because no matter how well you did in the circle, you knew it was going to be a bad day for you and you weren't going to stand up. With standing firm is that hard, literally speaking, as with this football example right here. You know, how, how hard is it spiritually? The key to it 
is not to do it alone. Don't do it alone. You know, the, the problem with my football story right here, I was in the middle by myself. That was part of the drill. And I think that's the challenge with, with some of us sometimes is that we're, we're by ourselves going through this journey and trying to follow the commands of the Lord is tough if you're trying to do it by yourself. I mean, Paul even knew this, right? He's on house arrest as he's writing the Philippians, but he has somebody there with him. He's got Timothy there. He's got somebody there alongside of him. Pastor Mark, when he goes on missions trips, I've never known Pastor Mark to go by himself. He always has somebody with him. Corey Timbloom says this, be united with other Christians. A wall with loose bricks is not good. The bricks must be cemented together. You see, having a brother or sister around can really help you stand firm. Doing it together. This last year, or not last year, this last men's retreat, those of you went, you really challenged us to, to really look at our cell. Look at those people who you're going to have close to you. And this isn't like a community. We'll talk more about the community in a second. This is just having those one or two people who can come along and hold you up and help you stand firm and who can be real if you're not standing firm. And I remember, you know, leaving that Saturday night after he's that challenge, and, and I, I, you know, I, I, I went up to a brother and said, you know, I need, I need help in that area. Uh, one of my best friends is my brother, and he's 2,400 miles away. And so I know a lot of guys, and a lot of guys pray for me day in and day out. But it's different when you have that special someone who can really, and, and even this past week, a lot of stuff going on in my life this week, and John repeatedly texted me, hey, how you doing? How's things doing? How are you, you know, how you holding up? And I'm thankful that I've got somebody now so I don't have to be in a huddle by myself when things start coming. If you don't have that person, you need to get it. You need to get it. One or two that will help you and be honest with you. You don't want somebody who's going to tell you how you, you want things to be. You want somebody who's going to be real and get in your face when you're a jerk. You're not being right to your wife, somebody who can call. And I, I, I've, I've even told my wife this. I said, hey, I've, I've given free reins to, in my case, John, to if, if things aren't right, if I'm doing something wrong at home, you call him. So I, let me encourage you to do that. Number two, I think I see that Paul shows us here in the text, again, to have this joy with, with, along with conflict is live in harmony in the Lord. Verse two, live in harmony in the Lord. In other words, Euodia and Syntyche, they first got to apply the first, the first statement and the first command of, of following the commands if they're going to be living in harmony in the Lord. Again, for, for churches in general, I can't tell you how painful it is when people are looking at a church that's not living in harmony. It's painful. And as Christians, it's even more so because even whether we're in a workplace, whether we're driving down 880, if I've got a fish on the back of my truck and I cut the next person off, it probably doesn't represent being a Christian too well. Or if I'm telling somebody they're number one in my life and they're not really number one, you know what I'm talking about. Well, two people do. 
It's tough to get caught up in the moment. I get that, and the Lord knows that. But it's really important that we live in harmony in the Lord. Romans 12, 16 says, Be of the same mind one toward another. Set not your minds on high things, but condescend to things that are lowly. Be not wise in your own conceit. You know, these ladies, they're in the midst of a disagreement, a little strife at the church, and they're sisters in the Lord. Again, a painful thing to see. And it doesn't mean that you cease from holding your own opinion. Like we looked at before, it's not that two people are always going to get along. Are you for gun control or you're not for gun control? Are you Democrat or are you Republican? I can f- promise you in a group this size right here, there's going to be plenty that we disagree with. I mean, I personally know the Falcons are number one, but some of you may be biased and think <laughs> Oakland Raiders are. I get that. I get that. But that's not the case with these ladies here. There's not something that's really like a doctrinal thing, which is a groundbreaker. Meaning, if I sit there and there's, there's something um, misspoken with regards to the resurrection or about my faith, if there's something that's the deity of Christ, I have an obligation to confront that. That's a difference of opinion. That's not a difference of opinion. I mean, that's just a matter of, that's just facts. But again, that's not the case here. It's a petty matter. We like to say it this way, these ladies made a mountain out of a molehill. I know you guys have never done that before. How do we know that? Well, Paul, he, I mean, he, he calls them out in name specifically. He writes a letter to the whole church. They cause the little ruckus little disagreement, and it's affecting the church. Notice this, he says, and he uses this twice, I urge Euodia, I urge Sintites. Both of them are responsible. Not one, both. And Paul does it in such a loving way, in a very humble way. He doesn't like just rip into them. He doesn't yell at them. He uses such a humble and gentle spirit to deal with these ladies. And then he writes their names in the book for millions to read centuries later. <laughs> Can you imagine getting into heaven? Aren't you, you odious? Thanks, Paul. <laughs> so be careful. You never know what's going to be written about you. I promise you they're going to be like, I will never do that again. Keep things to myself. And unfortunately, you know, that happens a lot in life, right? We make a mountain out of a molehill. Just a little humor. Let's talk of that a little bit. When was the last time you made a mountain out of a molehill? Take a few minutes around your table to discuss. Okay, let's bring it back. So it's easy to make a mountain out of a molehill. Amen? Easy to take a problem and just all of a sudden make it in such a big deal. And most recently, um, how many are in Dust Patrol, guys? Dust Patrol guys. I know, I see a lot of faces out here. You guys know a little bit of something about my sump pumps. Amen? I've, I've talked to you before about sump pumps, and those of you who know anything about a sump pump, these are my sump pumps. And these were really the vein of my existence. There is nothing more than I hated than these things right here. And most recently, we had these projects going on, and part of the projects is getting rid of these sump pumps. 
And again, I made a mountain out of a molehill in that contractor comes in with a price. I think it's too high. I'm trying to like, in my mind, Jerry, I'm thinking I, I can do this for so much cheaper than that. I didn't go there. I said I thought about it. I was really convinced that they were trying to rip me off, and I just kept agonizing, delaying the projects, delaying the projects. And we had a, uh, actually, we have, our, we have a Bible study at our house, and so we're having kind of our end of uh, summer kind of get-together, and all of a sudden, these, the, with this Bible study, we're having it that day. I'm still not committed because I think the contractor's trying to rip me off, and one of the sump pumps fails yet again. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, I am so done with this. And hallelujah, like a week ago, we got these suckers out of our basement. And so I am without sump pumps, but I made it into a really four weeks, six weeks before I really made a decision to get rid of them. And after I actually watched the contractors do this job, I am inside thanking the Lord every single minute. I'm like, Lord, hallelujah, I didn't try to do that. Because I'm like, it would not have went well. They made it look pretty flawless, but it would not have went well. Henry Allen, or Harry, some of you may know him as Harry, is a Canadian-American teacher, and he says this. It's always the effort of Satan to hinder the people of God from steadfastly clinging together and presenting a united front to the enemy. Alas, that is his efforts to introduce dissension so readily secede because of the flesh in us. James says it this way in James 4, where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. A lot of times when this conflict builds up, we get so stubborn, we get so wrapped up into our own opinions, again, opinions, not anything doctrine, opinions, we make a mountain into a molehill and we just blow things up. But not if we're united. The old Moody says this, I have never yet known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people were divided. Again, people are watching. They're watching you and I as individuals. They're watching us as a church. When we don't stand firm, the flesh comes out, anger, dissension, complaining, gossiping, the list goes on and on. The key is to be united. Romans 15, 5, the voice says this, I pray that our God who calls you and gives you perseverance and encouragement will join all of you together to share one mind according to Jesus the anointed. Charles Spurgeon says, Satan always hates Christian fellowship. It is his policy to keep Christians apart. Anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. He attacks far more importance to, he attaches far more importance to godly intercourse than we do. Some union is strength. He does his best to promote separation. One thing I love about a Bible study, and we've, we've, we've started one up this year, and I just, I love the group, is the stories within the group. And one young lady is here today. Her name is, I won't say her name, Miss Mona. <laughs> she, she, uh, she reminded me of this, this unity. She kind of reminded me of this body of Christ, if you will, in a story that she told. She said she had heard a story about a lion, and everybody knows how big a lion is. 
I mean, we're talking 350, 550 pounds. The thing is big as a car. I think we even have a picture. And so when you go like on a safari, you often will see people in a car like this, unprotected. They're just in a car. And you see these lines roaming around, which are about as big as a car. Yet, the line will not attack the people in the car. Because all they see is this big object. They don't see individual people. They see everything. So as long as these people are in this car, this car is bigger than the line, and all of a sudden, it looks bigger. But now let one of these people get out of that car. The French fry is on. Dinner is on. And that's really, you know, that story there is a lot like, you know, our everyday lives, right? We have a line roaring around to pick us off. He's just waiting for us to get out of the car. I think that's the importance of a community. Like followers, that's the importance of a Bible study. More than just that one or two people, the one or two people, again, that I talked about earlier, that's going to help you with your, your walk, standing firm. But a community is so special. And again, we've been with followers probably eight years now, and so I, I'm just... I, I can't even stress enough. Every time I talk to somebody, I talk to them about community. A lot of people will come here to church and then leave. And it's sad when we have so many options and communities available, both for women, for men. Again, Don Dust Patrol starting back up in September. And I, I just, I, I really do encourage the guys that are in this room and the ladies as well. They, you guys go throughout the whole summer. You don't take off like us men. Yeah, we're, we're, we're high maintenance. We have to take off the summer. Um, but anyway, so get involved into a community. Yeah, that's right. I like that even better. So Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? Amen. The last thing Paul shows us here in the text, I think, for a healthy way, is to be a true companion in verse 3. What do we mean by a companion? A companion is one who serves as a friend or partner in something. And I'm not checking any text, by the way. I, I had something on my phone I wanted to go back to. Here, here's what it says about a, a true companion, or this is really a friend. I just read this recently. It says, a good friend posts bail for you. A great friend posts bail and finds you a great lawyer. Your best friend is there with you because he helped you hide the body when you finally snapped. <laughs> we need a few true companions. Not for that specifically. But it says here, indeed, true companion, help these women. We don't know who the true companion is. Was it Timothy? Was it some other authority within the church? We don't know. What we do know is a person who's very respectful and has just that, that gift of being a mediator or moderator to help reconcile things, whether it's in church, whether it's at your home, whether it's at work. You need that someone sometimes just to come in and kind of help make a resolve of things. First Peter 4.10 says, Use whatever gift you've received for the good of one another so that you can show yourselves to be good stewards of God's grace in all its varieties. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom by my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. You know, last week we, we kind of made a, a, a compel or a, an announcement with regards to coffee and donuts. 
Um, we need needs, I mean, we have needs with regards to iPads and tablecloths. Uh, there's needs here. Help serve one another. Not just come and, and, and take. The key of this is be that gentle spirit that Paul talks about. And he echoes that throughout a lot of his books. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Puritan leader Jonathan Edwards called gentleness the Christian spirit. He says, All who are truly godly and are real disciples of Christ have a gentle spirit. Paul talks about the fruit of the spirits. A gentle person speaks the truth in the way others can receive. Again, Paul does it in such a humble way when he's addressing the conflict at the church. Sometimes I know I fail in doing it in a humble way. Emotions get the best of us. Ephesians 4, 1 through 5 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit. And I'm going to stop there. You know, when I think about being a gentle spirit, I, my, my grandfather and grandmother both, again, I... Uh, being a, a grandson of a pastor, being a, a, a grandson of a pastor in a small town had a lot of disadvantages. Everybody knew Granddaddy. Everybody knew Grandmother. And unfortunately, everybody knew Randy. <laughs> I often joke when I show my driver license because it says Randall. And I heard Randall a lot growing up. Not so much Randy, because I was usually in trouble. But when I think about my grandparents, I, um, you know, and, and I think my wife, maybe it was last week or the week before, one of our discussion questions, there was a question of, with regards to someone who had a, really a gentle spirit. And my, my grandmother is, is certainly somebody who w- would always come to mind. You just could not rattle her. She just, no matter what was going on, no matter what the issues, and I have to tell them, they're both in heaven right now with the king, but I'll never forget one time my grandfather well, a couple of times. This is all in one day. So, grew up on a farm, and so, you know, it was, we, we'd have our lunches, and almost every time we got a chance, we would eat up there at their house. And um, it was always something simple, nothing really major. He always had tomatoes. I mean, every, every meal I can possibly think of, we had tomatoes, and I love tomatoes. But I remember one time we were up there eating, and my grandfather, he, he first pulls, or no, I'll take back, he first starts to uh, fill the glasses with ice and he drops the bucket of ice on the floor, and he kicks, kicks it across the floor. Again, just, you know, boom. I get my patience from him, by the way. <laughs> and my grandmother said, very good, Brazel, just in a nice little gentle tone spirit. Well, then he goes and takes bread out, takes some bread out, puts it on the table, and he, I think he must have grabbed like 10 slices. And she just, you know, Brazel. We don't need that much bread. Well, Granddad tries to put it back into the bag. Have you ever taken bread out of a bag and try to put it back in? It's almost with like any package, right? It just doesn't go back in right. And so 
Granddaddy started to put it back in, and it just was not going to go. And he just took his fist and just, <laughs> he got the bread in the bag. That was not a problem. He got the bread in the bag. You wouldn't have done anything with the bread after that. But my, again, my grandmother, just with a gentle spirit, not yelling, she says, very good, Brazzle. Very good. So he got two very good Brazzles in one day. But she just, she had that knack of that gentle spirit. And when I really think about my grandparents, really, honestly, both of them, they just, they had that knack. They had that humility. They had exactly what Paul talks about here. Discussion question around your table as we get ready to wrap up. Speaking of gentle spirits, who is someone you know that could use a true companion right now? A gentle spirit. Talk about that at your table. Because I, and the reason I really want you to talk about it is if you share it, you'll have a little bit of ownership. And hopefully you'll act on it this week. Take a couple of minutes. We won't take too long on this. Just a couple of minutes. Okay, let's bring it back real quick, and we're going to close things down. I, you know, it's easy to be a true companion often to people um, when they're nice. It's tough when they're not so nice, and that's generally the people who need it the most. My wife and I, we recently went down to visit our, our oldest son, and her, um, her stepmom, you know, sometimes it's like rock, paper, scissors. You know what I'm saying? Who's going to go? How long are you going to stay? Ah, oh, I got to go. Well, and again, some of it is just it's, it's self-induced on her part, but it's painful. And most recently, again, we, we went down, and my wife, she had already went over there to spend time with her because she, she's alone. And so I, you know, I, there's several things I needed to get done. And sincerely, the Lord put on my, my heart that you, you need to go. You need to go. And my wife and I went over there. And again, I'm just, I'm dreading as I'm walking through the door. And I, I think it was probably the, the best visit we've had. And I, I think just, again, just being there, she just, again, you, you look at someone who's so lonely and, and just oftentimes mad with the world, um, in and out of orphanages. I mean, she's, she's had a tough life. And she, she has a right to be pissed off in some, some, some shape or form, but she, you know, we've reached out to her with churches and with regards to, you know, getting, getting a community. And it, but it was one of the best visits, and, you know, we shared about it, how, how lonely she is to, to our, our family that's down there um, and, and how... Again, just her age, I mean, time's against her, and she needs to know the Lord more than anybody. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not always easy to be the, the true companion, that gentle spirit. Uh, but I want to encourage you because I know, I, personally, I, I mean, Shirley even told us as we were leaving that she just, it, it meant a lot. And she told, her, told Merritt later of how much the visit meant to her. So as we look at conflict and we looked at joy, it's not that we're going to avoid conflict. It's going to be here. The key is just simply, how do, you, how do you have the joy and the conflict together? Stand firm in the Lord. Live in harmony. Be that true companion. Amen. Join me in prayer. Well, let's just close out for today. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for, again, just the opportunity. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just the reminders of staying close and attuned to you. Thank you for just reminding us to stay united as, as a community. 
and, and help us, Father, to be a true companion, to be that gentle spirit that you've called us to be. You give us your spirit, and we just pray for these qualities. And Father God, we just uh, we thank you for what you're going to do today. Thank you for those who haven't attended the church service that are going to be going afterwards to hear your word. And uh, just thank you for Mark and Tracy. In Jesus' name, amen.